Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. We've got somebody who's unmuted. Can you guys mute for me, please? Just check your phones and make sure you're, you're muted. Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Renee A., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Today is Wednesday, January 8th. Today we're reading from the big book, and we're on page 81, that first full paragraph, which begins with whatever the situation, and we're just reading that one paragraph. So um, today's readers are the um, 12 Steps, Sandy B., the 12 Traditions, Rifki K., and readers of our text are Ginger C., Janice B., and Leon B. The reference number for yesterday, Tuesday, January 7th, for the 7 a.m. meeting is 13,928. That's 13928. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time meeting, that uh, share ID number is 13,935. That's 13935. The OA preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Sandy B. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Sandy. Sandy, can you press star one? We can't hear you. I'm sorry. That's okay. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us from sanity. Could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, and we asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed 
and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, may direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so when injuring them or others. Ten, continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our things. Thank you for allowing me to do service. Thank you very much, Sandy. Appreciate that. And I will now ask Rifki Kay to read the 12 traditions. Rifki, are you where you can be heard? Yes. Hi, this is Rifki. Can I be heard? You sure can. Go right ahead. Yes. Hi, this is Rifki from Vienna. Very, very grateful to be on. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon our unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, loving God as he may express himself in our group conscious. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, overeaters and honors should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or community directly responsible to those they serve. Ten. OA has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on affection rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions and reminding us to place principle before personality. Thank you, and I pass. Thanks so much, Rifki. Appreciate that. Okay, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute, 
Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass and then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 81, starting with that first paragraph, which begins with whatever the situation. And I'm now going to ask Ginger C. to get us started. So Ginger, good morning. Whatever the situation, we usually have to do something about it. If we are sure our wife does not know, should we tell her? Not always, we think. And if she knows in a general way that we have been wild, should we tell her in detail? Undoubtedly, we should admit our faults. She may insist on knowing all the particulars. She will want to know who the woman is and where she is. And we feel we ought to say to her that we have no right to involve another person. We are sorry for what we have done, and God willing, it shall not be repeated. More than that, we cannot do. We have no right to go further. Though there may be justifiable exceptions, and though we wish to lay down no rule of any sort, we have often found this the best course to take. And again, thank God for these clear-cut directions because I have an experience to share with you this morning where I had no directions and I made a big mess. And today, because of these 164 pages, if I'm honest, open, and willing, and I'm following it precisely, you know, the greatest gift I get to do each and every day is hopefully not to create any more harm. And um, so, you know, I think as addicts, we're hostage takers. And a hostage is a person seized or held as security for the fulfillment of a condition, a person taken by force to secure the taker's demands. And in the AA 12 and 12, it talks about living upon a basis of unsatisfied demands. We're in a state of continual disturbance and frustration. And that was me. And my husband paid the price for this because I expected him to be something he was not, wanting him to fix me, most importantly, make me feel okay, and that I matter. And I was always seeking attention from this poor person who's just a human being doing the best to do in his life to take care of himself. And so this thinking that I would be happy if only he would do this or do that, you know, all these demands that I'm putting upon this marriage and my partnership for this unease that's inside me that I wasn't willing to do the work around. And that's when it went south at one point in my marriage because I found a new friend to confide in. The quote, boy who understands, who made everything okay. And then because of my guilty conscience, you know, and this is a sentence, this sentence is so important. Slow the work down and pay attention. Because what I'm about to share to you got really scary and really frightening. Because if we are sure our wife or our husband does not know, should we tell him? Not always. And there's a reason why. My husband had no idea that I was having this conversation continuing with this gentleman. But I had a guilty conscience 
It was, again, selfish and self-centered. Ginger couldn't stand what she was doing because I did have this husband that was the most loyal, faithful, wonderful person to me, a man of respect and regard. And I knew what I was doing was wrong. And this guilty conscience was eating at me inside out, and I finally spilled the beans. And not in a right way. It was just to take care of how I was feeling to change the channel. And he was pissed, rightly so. And jealousy is the greatest emotion. And the next page is going to say why we do do these amends. We have to do them, but we may do it on the flank rather than that face-to-face combat. And that's what my husband did. He called the guy. And he said, I want to meet you at Starbucks. And he went and met him in person. And it could have gotten ugly because jealousy is a great emotion. Now, thank God it worked out in the end. And thank God I follow these directions. Because if we continue these behaviors, we're, we're absolutely going to relapse. You can't be in this. Kim so beautifully brought it yesterday. These principles are to be practiced in all my affairs. How am I showing up today? What am I doing? How does my look, life, look, life look? And, you know, the bedevilments are a great, great example of where you're at or where you're not at. But thank God today, with God leading the way, I get to be of this maximum usefulness, packing into the stream of life, supporting my marriage, having his uppermost happiness in my mind. How can I help meet his needs? It's not about me anymore. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Ginger. Appreciate it. Thanks for getting us started this morning. Okay, so I am ready to take a list of names of people who would like to share on this paragraph. If you'd give me your uh, first name and the first initial of your last name. Joe M., Okay, Joe. Harlan G. Harlan. Vasa O. Vasa. Anybody else for this first round? Okay, I'll tell you who I've got. I've got Joe M, Harlan G, and Vasa O. So why don't we just get started with those, and then when they're finished, we'll take another round of names. Okay, Joe, take it away. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, moderator, for your service, and the readers as well. I very much appreciate Ginger reading this morning and her share. I am on day eight of sobriety. And I'm so excited. You know, I ordered the big book as soon as I acquired a sponsor who I'm actually meeting with for the first time tonight. I'm very excited. Uh, This reading this morning, to me, spoke of two principles. uh, Actually taking action, which really goes to our faith, and then confirming our faith by doing something. And then according to the steps, being willing to be completely honest. That is a very difficult thing for us as human beings, especially when we have erred. 
when we make mistakes, especially of the variety that affects our relationships with others, it's very, very difficult at times to come to terms with that. And then as part of the repentance process, to say, I'm sorry, and then to seek to execute restitution. And sometimes restitution is impossible. We take a life or we uh, are immoral. It's hard to restitute chastity, but God allows us to do everything I can. I believe and know that when I do something wrong and admit it to him, and if it's grievous enough to another to make that amend, I experienced a divorce after 31 years, very unexpected. And we prone, we're prone as human beings to think that we're right and the other person is wrong. And in this particular case, it was very difficult for me to look inwardly as to why this happened. And yet over the last couple of years, and especially the last week, hearing from the big book and understanding that my eating may have had a negative impact on my relationship. I'm making amends with my ex-wife and it, it feels so, so good. Um, I've been an overeater for decades and I feel that your shares and the big book excerpts have been a great blessing to me. So I just want to express gratitude to everyone who shares, and with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate that. Okay, next up we have Harlan G., and he'll be followed by Vasa O. Good morning, Harlan. Good morning, Renee. Thanks for your service. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. I don't have a ton to share about cheating. I just never did it. But it was done to me. Uh, at the end of our marriage, uh, my wife was dating someone while we were still married, and it was one of the most painful episodes of my entire life. Uh, I had always been uh, insecure in the area of relationships, because I, because I, I just was, and for a lot of reasons. But this was like the final nail in the coffin, and I didn't know how I was gonna, how I was going to um, get over this. But eventually, I did. Um, I just wanted to this morning give a little bit of the reason why this paragraph is in the big book, and it goes back to a guy by the name of Ernie G. There were two Ernie Gs: Ernie Galbraith, who later married Dr. Bob's daughter. And Ernie Gehrig. Ernie Gehrig was an alcoholic from Michigan, and he found out on a job when he was with some people in Toledo, Ohio, that there was a doctor in Akron who was curing drunks, of course, which isn't true. But he goes to Akron, and Ernie was a player. Ernie was a guy who had lots of girlfriends, even though he was married. And when they got to Akron, he and his wife, his wife had had enough of it because his philandering continued even in Akron. And she said, the heck with this, I'm going to do my own thing here. And so she took up with some guy. And when she went to the Oxford group meeting, the Oxford group ladies strongly encouraged her to tell her husband what was going on. 
And she did. It was a Saturday afternoon, and he took a knife out of Dr. Bob's drawer because they were living with Dr. Bob and Ann Smith at the time. Dr. Bob and Ann took in a lot of drunks in those days. They went to any lengths. He took a knife out and started chasing his wife around the kitchen with a knife. And in comes Dr. Bob, arms full of groceries, and Ann Smith. Dr. Bob tries to grab Ernie, and he, he flailed the knife at Dr. Bob, and he flailed the knife at Ann Smith. And Ann and Dr. Bob says, you guys are going to have to leave Ernie later ended up in a laughing academy back in Michigan. He got out and got sober and got drunk and got sober and died drunk. The moral of the story is, should we always be forthcoming with these things if it is going to hurt the other person? And we heard Ginger's beautiful share this morning. The answer is not always. Uh, sometimes we're not really helping the other person by giving them this information. And this is why sponsorship, sober, informed sponsorship, is the key to step nine for me. Because if I don't have another person to bounce things off of, my adult brain, my addict mind, is going to justify the most current nonsense. That's why I need sponsorship. And with that, I will pass. Thank you very much. Thanks, Harlan. Okay, Vasa, you're up. And after Vasa, I'll take a new list of names. Good morning, Vasa. Thank you. Good morning, moderator. Vasa, grateful, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. And I would have never, never been able to do any of this work if I didn't have a sponsor that had gone through the big book process. And uh, I was... I mean, this was the hardest thing for me to do, the sex part of the fourth step. And, um, and yes, I did come to Overeaters Anonymous. I was 41 years old, very, very insecure about myself, and I did blame myself about my unhappiness in my marriage. It was because of him. If he did make me, if he made me happy, then why would I want to go look to somewhere else outside? How selfish I was, how self-centered I was. And yes, I did lose the weight. And I was told, but I did not listen to people. We used to go in cars at meetings in those days. And they said, don't get in a car with a man alone or even man alone with a woman. It's, it works both ways. Well, you know, I justified, you know, I would get men, you know, with a man in in a car, and I was abstinent and still looking for that love. I, I was love. I was addiction. It's another addiction like the food, and I needed to be healed from it. And I blamed that the poor man. He did the best that he. You know what? I never told my husband about this thing. Why would I want to hurt him? And I did flirt, even, you know, with the boys. Like if I dated, even when I was dating my husband, I was flirting with other boys. And sometimes my husband never said anything to me. I don't know if he noticed it or maybe he felt so good about himself. It didn't bother him. I don't know. But I can't take an inventory of him, how he felt or what he did. But working the steps, doing, going through this part, 
you know, admitting my faults. And, uh, and I've been healed from that, from that addiction. It's called food. It's like food addiction. It's called love addiction. It's by the grace of my higher power. I don't have the desires. I don't have, I don't have those needs any longer. It's taken away from me like the food is taken away from me. And we do heal in many other, myself. I've, I'm healing. Why would you think I'm here every day? I've been here for 34 years of my life because my life was wonderful before. Now I have a good life. I have a sane life. I have a peaceful life. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thanks, Vasa. Okay, so I'm going to, here in just a minute, take another list of names. But for those of you who just joined us, let me tell you real quick where we're at. We're on page 81. We're starting with that first full paragraph, which begins with whatever the situation, and we're just sharing on that one paragraph. So who else would like to share on that paragraph? Darian K. Okay, Darian. Vicki V. Elise N. Okay, hold on just a second. So Vicki, what was your last initial, Vicki? V, as in Vicki. Oh, okay. So Darian K., Vicki V., and then someone else. Elise N. Elise, okay, gotcha. Who else would like to share on that paragraph? Press star 1 to unmute yourself. Anybody else? Okay, let me tell you who I have. I have Darian K., Vicki V., and Elise N. Okay, Darian, go right ahead. Hi, good morning. This is Darian um, K. from the Berkshires. Can you hear me okay? Can I be heard? Yep, loud yes. and clear. Yes, Darian. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> Thank you. Um, okay. So, um, so grateful to be on the line with all of you. Um, you know, at first, you know, I'm I'm thinking, oh, like I would, I don't want to air out my dirty laundry <laughs> with 400 people. Um, so, I I guess I'm not going to be particular, but I am going to be um, very much relating in to a lot of what most people shared, um, and. I think for me the bottom line is the approval seeking. Um, I, I heard someone in program say they're an approval seeking missile, right? So there's there's like, oh, we just go for that person or or situation um, that gives us that self esteem that I never had, never. Um, I wanted to, but I just no, I could not muster it up for myself, and so I looked outside of myself for that um, love, attention, approval, um, you know, all the, all the things I could not give myself. And I think this really is, um, you know, what the, what the paragraph is talking about, you know, that, you know, we have, um, you know, seeked approval in other places. And then there's amends we need to make with um, the people that we hurt, you know. And it, there's always going to be a ripple effect. I mean, we can ne it can never just be about us. And like, if we just 
stop doing something, everything will be better. There's always a ripple effect. And I also really believe that lies of omission are huge, huge for me anyway. And so I can be thinking about, oh, you know, gee, I'd like to talk to this one more or, oh, he looked at me this way today or nobody said they liked my outfit today, so I'm never going to wear it again. I mean, it's just like crazy thinking in my head. So self-centered, so all about me. And so um, for me, the bottom line is, you know, I do I have to clean up my side of the street. I have to make it right, you know, and do it with the right people at the right time. Um, I shared a, a week or so ago about making an amends with my ex-husband. And, you know, we've been separated 20 years. And it was not time. It was not time for me to sit down and be uh, forthright with him and um, until now and um, and so it just it just took time the right time needed to um, present itself and so yeah it's it's and going to somebody else really running it by our sponsor or whoever we're going to um, you know uh, get this sort of script if you will from um, we yeah thank you well we need to do that I need to do that because um, you know, I can I can make a mess of things if it's left up to just me. So really, really, really use the program and the people. We are here for everyone, um, you know, to help you through this. So thank you, and I pass. Thanks, Darian. Okay, next up we have Vicki V, and she'll be followed by Elise N. So Vicki, go right ahead, please. Thank you. Good morning, visionaries, and uh, thank you, everybody, for your service on this call today and every day. My name is Vicki V. I'm from Long Island, New York, recovered sugar addict and compulsive overeater today. This paragraph and the last couple of paragraphs really speak to me about honesty. Um, for me, not necessarily cheating. I physically never cheated, but I emotionally, mentally, and spiritually cheated on every person I've ever been involved with. And before program, you know, I thought just being honest was a good thing. I'm going to be honest with you. Well, well what's, why are you hurt? I'm just being honest. And to come into program to find that that was egotistical. It was me getting off my chest what was bothering me, regardless of how it felt to other people. I entered every sex relation I ever had under false pretenses. I was going to be everything that you wanted because I've been watching you and I know what you want. And then a year or two in, when I'm not getting back what I, you know, the investment that I put in, inevitably I'd find myself back in the food. And I didn't even know about this sex ideal dysmorphia since until the last six months. I've worked step four a few times, but I had um, a sex inventory this time with my sponsor. Um, and I really saw some things that opened my eyes. And then listening to everybody share over the last I don't know how long we've been working on this part here, but I really related to so many things that everybody had to say. And I had to take a long, hard look at myself and change my sex ideal. And it's taken me 54 years to get here. It certainly isn't going to change overnight, but I can see, I can see it changing. I can see that um, I'm aware of when I'm looking for attention and I'm doing so dishonestly. Uh, So God willing, this this behavior is not going to be repeated. And uh, with the help of this, this book, these steps, this design for living, 
listening and just being willing to change. I believe that one day God's going to bring to me what I am worthy of. So I just wanted to share that. Thank you for listening. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Vicki. Okay, next we'll hear from Elise N. And after Elise N., I'll be happy to take a new set of names. So go right ahead, Elise. Good morning. Hi, good morning. Thank you for your service and everyone for being here. Um, So this is something I'm going to share. makes me feel vulnerable, but that's okay. I I, um, considered that, you know, I felt very guilty leaving my marriage um, marriage, and you know, because I felt I hurt the person, and I never should have been in it in the first place, and all this, you know, stuff. And it was I'm 55 now. This is when I was 21, and I wanted to call. I I thought about it. I actually didn't want to call, but I thought about calling the person to apologize or writing the person a letter or an email or something, and it's just wasn't appropriate at all. Most times people get hurt if there's a divorce um, and the person's remarried. So, you know, I just, I didn't really have, there wasn't really anything that I did wrong, you know, that I was did wrong to the person. I just feel felt guilty that I should never have gotten into the thing and, and, um, you know, and I, but I was young and I was like moving in something that was a little too fast and ended up marrying to somebody that we, you know, we didn't really get along too well with the wrong, you know, into the wrong relationship. And then as soon as, you know, when, when I realized that I left it so that it wouldn't, it wouldn't keep going on. And I felt terribly guilty about it. Um, and, but my feeling guilty was not enough of a reason to call and upset, um, you know, possibly somebody's marriage. So I had to then work on it, you know, work on that feeling in myself and let that go and forgive myself for for what I had done and just make up not to do that, you know, to really evaluate relationships in the future and not get myself into negative relationships in the future. But um, thank God I didn't call and I didn't do that. And I had the direction of a rabbi. I had the direction of a sponsor. And, you know, I could ask and not let my own feelings. I've heard so many people say this where it's ended up badly. Let my own feelings and my own guilt you know, have me make an amends that doesn't need to be made or would better off not be made because it may hurt somebody. And um, just for my, you know, because it it's not it's supposed to be a selfish program where I'm just doing things because it's going to make me feel good. It has to be that it's Hi, not going to harm the other person. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Elise. Appreciate that. So... I'll be um, ready to take a new set of names here in just a minute for those of you guys who um, may have lost your place or just jumped on. We're on page 81, starting with that first paragraph, which begins with whatever the situation. So I'm ready to take a new list of names. Okay, Lisa, gotcha. Darlene, Kelly. 
Okay, I got Darlene and Kelly. Matt F. Okay, and Matt. Elena PB. Uh, didn't get that. Delora PB. Okay, so I got Delora and then somebody behind Delora, and then we'll have to stop there. So who was that? Elena. Okay, so let me stop there, and um, I think that that should take us all the way through. In fact, actually, that might be one too many. Anyway, let's go ahead and get started. Lisa, you're up, and you'll be followed by Darlene. Go ahead, Lisa. Good morning, Renee. Thank you so much for your service this morning. Thank you for everyone that's here. My name is Lisa B., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. This paragraph um, is so meaningful to me because uh, my father was this person. You know, my father had multiple affairs, and I felt for years it just destroyed my family. It started with destroying my mother, and Um, You know, I learned so much from watching my parents and watching my father. And I used to love to dehumanize my father. And I used to love to just judge him and criticize him in my mind. And um, I, I lived like that, you know, for so long. And when I got into this program and saw my wrongs and what I've done, you know, it, it really freed me. It freed me to learn to look at my own side of the street and my faults. And it, it taught me to be compassionate and empathetic. And I, I also learned through this process of getting recovered the value, the tremendous value of looking at the good parts, the good aspects of people, you know, and learning to find the good aspects of my father was such a healing process and beginning to see him as a human being. You know, when I dehumanized my father, I really I dehumanized myself. I saw that I'm just like him. Even though I didn't do the exact same things, I saw that I'm just like him. You know, in We Agnostics, it talks about, well, I don't have it in front of me, but it talks about how we really want to try. And, you know, if a mere code of morals or better philosophy of life were sufficient, that's what it talks about. You know, my father really wanted to be a good father. I know that. He put me through college. He put braces on my teeth. You know, he put, give us good homes. And um, he did so many things that were right. And, you know, I ended up stealing from my father when I worked for him. I stole money from him and I justified it. I justified it. I thought, he deserves this, you know. And that's why um, getting recovered, looking at myself, looking at what I've done, what have I done? It's been a wonderful process of healing. And um, I just wanted to share that and hopefully a message that should give a mustard seed to help someone else. Sometimes my Bluetooth goes out, but I'm here, and I'm finished, and I pass. Thank you. Thanks very much, Lisa. I appreciate that. Okay, so next up we have Darlene, and she'll be followed by Kelly S. Darlene, would you give me the first initial of your last name, please? Absolutely, H. H. Okay, you're up. Good morning, everybody. My name is Darlene H. Georgia, and I am a recovered, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. You know, I get really, really nervous when I hear somebody talk about making amends when they haven't done the work yet, when they haven't done 
the eight steps beforehand. And I have had an experience where someone has come to me to make an amends and they didn't have a clue as to what they were making an amends about. They were encouraged by somebody, go talk to Darlene, make it right. And uh, we both walked away from that conversation extraordinarily frustrated, angry, and it didn't clear it up. It just made it worse. So I highly encourage anyone who, I mean, I, I understand that urge of wanting to go and clean things up, but until you really know what you're cleaning up, I would encourage you to wait. It'll still be there, and the opportunity will be there to present itself. The other thing about this paragraph that comes to mind for me is, <clears throat> excuse me, this is not, this is applicable to any relationship, not necessarily a sexual relationship. Any time that I have caused harm to someone else and they don't know about it, for example, if I've been gossiping about somebody or if I think that somebody is distasteful or, you know, I don't like the way they look or whatever, I don't need to tell them because it does no good for them or for me. I had the experience the other day where um, my boss said to me, oh, yeah, she still hates you. And I was thinking, wow, I never even knew she hated me. And, boy, that, that really hurt me, you know, because, uh, of course, I never want anybody to be upset with me. So there are times that we don't need to share our opinions with others or the fact that we haven't quite been the person uh, that they thought we should be if they don't yet know um, because it, it could cause a harm to them. So with that, I will pass. I wish you all a wonderful day. Thank you so much. Thanks, Darlene. Okay, next up is Kelly S., and she'll be followed by Matt. Good morning, Kelly. Hey, Renee. Good to hear you. Um, fellow Tolson here, Kelly Kelly S. Recovered Compulsive Overeater and Bulimic in Oklahoma. Um, <clears throat> great, powerful shares. Oh, I, I've just been so moved by the um, shares on this meeting and the later meeting. If you guys haven't listened to those this week on the recordings, they're all just incredible. Um, and just, again, realizing I'm not alone in any of my stuff. And I kind of wanted to put a, a plug into, like, the last speaker that um, my experience, strength, and hope. So I've been around these rooms for three decades and I came in these rooms, and it took me a long time to understand that principle of we and why these steps are written in a we. There's a reason, and I learned it the hard way. So I came in, oh, God, I'm going to make amends. Um, and, again, these steps are written in order for a reason, and that was the part I was missing for all the years I was around, that I needed to follow these instructions as they're laid out in the big book in order, right, in order. And so I didn't do that. <laughs> Because my whole life is about, you know, i got to get this done. i got to get this done. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm an addict. I want to feel better. I want to feel better. And, you know, I would justify, go, well, I'm making these amends to help that person. I'm going to help them feel better. Well, if I'm helping them feel better, then I'm going to feel better. Well, so I've made these amends, like this paragraph is talking about, for that exact situation the person didn't know. And let me tell you guys, um, it did not go well. And I've also done this exact same paragraph as laid out in the big book, when I got to step nine with a guide of my sponsor, having worked the rest of the steps with the food down. Let me tell you that at the time, the food wasn't down for very long. So huge difference, huge difference. I just really want to urge if you're new, 
coming back, whatever. And here we are in this chapter and there's a lot of passion and you're like, I'm going to go do this. You know, just stop, put the food down and start working this program in order and get a guide. And then um, I also just wanted to share, I, I shared this last week um, when I was moderating, but I just think it bears repeating that, you know, again, I, I just want to feel better. These steps are not about feeling better. These steps eight and nine, um, I heard this share that it's not about feeling better for me. It's about opening the space in my heart so I can let my higher power in so God can change me. You know, that's where the change is. I have to open up so God can do the changing. And I heard what I needed to hear so much today. Thank you, Ginger. Um, don't want to put you up on the soapbox, but thanks for being the messenger this morning. That The whole goal here is to not do any more harm. I came in thinking the whole goal was to not compulsively overeat, just to be abstinent. And we'll see in the next uh, page or two about, you know, the guy that came out of the cyclone. It uh, didn't matter as long as I was abstinent, right? So I'm putting the food down to get busy to do the work so I don't have to create any more harm in anybody else's lives and to be this person that my higher power wants me to be. So I just wanted to say that. Follow these steps with a guide in order, and uh, a miracle's happened. Glad to be here. Thanks, Renee, for your service, and I pass. Thanks, Kelly. Good to hear you. Okay, next up we have Matt, and Matt will be followed by Delora. Matt, could you give me the first initial of your last name, please? Sure, it's F as in Frank. Okay, you're up. Thank you. Thank you for your service, and thank you for all the shares. This is Matt F., living in Chicago from Philadelphia, and I'm not really sure what I'm about to say. Um, I'm an addict, and halfway through a 20-year marriage, I had a largely one-sided emotional affair in plain sight in front of my spouse, uh, was not particularly concerned about her feelings or really anyone's but my own. And I did enormous harm that has only uh, become more clear to me over the years. And then 10 years later, at the end of that 20-year marriage, my spouse uh, stepped out, and I didn't. I, she, I did not know for for quite a while, and uh, and I've asked myself, would I have rather known in real time? And the truth is, I don't know, and it doesn't matter. But part of the reason that she used for justifying her behavior was that she believed that what I had done had gone much further than it actually had. She believed that I was actually still carrying on an actual physical affair with that person. And so as the truth gradually came to light and I grew to understand what had, what had really happened at the end of my marriage, it also eventually became clear that she believed that. And I had to tell her, hey, uh, if you've been using that to sort of justify and make yourself feel good about what you've been doing, I don't know how to tell you this, but you've got it wrong. That never happened. So I don't know what the point of all that is other than to say we never can fully understand the long-term ripple effects of the choices that we make. And as a gift of this program, I have grown past being resentful. I've grown past regret because I now know, thanks to my faith in a higher power that I previously did not believe 
had anything to do with any human, let alone me, that everything that happens is exactly what's supposed to happen. And so carrying any regret about anything that did happen, no point. It was all part of the plan. And whatever happens after whatever choice I make next, also part of the plan. And that doesn't mean that I behave as if my actions have no consequences. I look for the next indicated action and do my best to choose it all the time. And that applies to amends as well. Time. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate that. Okay, so next up we have Delora, and Delora will be followed by Elena. Delora, what's your, uh, the first initial of your last name? Is P as in Paul, B as in boy, PB. PB. Okay, yeah. you're up. Um, thank you for um, allowing me to share. Um, I appreciate being on the line. Um, I personally never cheated on a spouse, but as I uh, would look at the paragraph, I see it as um, me using caution whenever I need to share something that could be um, that could have a strong reaction from the person that I need to make the amends to. Um, I think sometimes when we're making our amends and we're you know working through the steps, we get um, so excited and we want to you know work through these things and and make our amends and a lot of it is about making ourselves feel better which other people have talked about um but whenever i is something that's really serious and i get that icky feeling in my tummy i usually say to myself um is this something that can harm that person or cause them to harm themselves or someone else and um that's when i have to turn to my higher power I have to go to my higher power and say, God, like, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to say? How do you want me to say it? And also then to my sponsor. Um, and I, uh, there's been some amends where I had to write it out. Um, some I had to, you know, most of me, for me personally, I'm a write out person because I need to make sure I get my words and thoughts out clearly because in the moment, if I'm saying something and there's a response, I don't know how I would respond, and I may say something that can trigger that other person. And not that I'm, not that it makes a difference how they respond, because I can't control that. But again, I want to make sure that what I'm saying is clear to the point, and not a lot of extra unnecessary words that need to be said to that person as I make my amends. And um, so for me, you know, not personally cheated on someone, but I've cheated lots of people. Um, and with, with my behaviors. And so as I make my amends and think about what I need to say to that individual, um, sometimes I have to write it out just so I can get it clear, clear in my head what is important to say and what should I not share, you know. Um, and, and that's been helpful for me and also the help of my sponsor um, talking it through is very helpful to get some positive feedback. And then again, my higher power that would guide me to let me know when is it the good time because sometimes it's not the good time. You might have to wait some uh, a while, a month, a year, who knows. But doing it in God's time, but doing it in an effective time, not waiting forever, but also, you know, in all ways being effective, your your verbiage being effective, and, and it's being done in a way that, that, that can be helpful. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Delora. Okay, next up we have Elena. Um, go ahead, Elena. Hi, good morning everybody. I'm so um I'm so grateful to be here and I what I want to share is that for me this paragraph uh reminded how important it is that when I 
and ready to do something um, about anything, it's about pausing and not acting on the impulse. Um, and, you know, in the process, I might need to, like, reasoning out with another person that would be a sponsor or a fellow in, in the program. And sometimes, in majority of times, is what I need to do, just reach out to my higher power and um, not do it by myself. Because what I want to do in majority of time is just go ahead and um, just do whatever I can to get rid of the pain inside of me. Um, you know, my my impulse, my desire to act rapidly uh, means that I don't want to stay with my pain. I want to disconnect from my pain at all sorts. And, you know, that's, that's one of the hallmark of my condition. Um, and so this is just a reminder and anything that I do, whether they're amends, whether they're like talking or whether they're like expressing something, just to maybe just start with as much as, as uh, simple as a breath. Um, and in that breath, I can imagine that I, in, um, I am breathing in the spirit of the universe, my higher power, without which I could not have made it. I could not have made it. Um, I am powerless over everything, you know, including the pain. And um, my God understands, my higher power understands pain and wants me to feel pain, whatever that is, shame and guilt and fear, in a way that is not making choices for me that would um, affect my relationships with other people and, and with myself. And, you know, and, and when I pause um, and I kind of think and I wait patiently for the answer to come, an answer that I, I probably would never think about or maybe I just think very rarely and that's when it's a place to act or not to act, you know, or not to act. And then another thing is paying attention, paying attention to what, what is and seeing in everything that I do and the world around me, the will of my higher power in my action. So it's good to be here with that up there. Thank you, Elena. Okay, well... I think what we'll do is just go ahead and close because we don't have quite enough time for anybody to jump on. So um, I want to thank you guys uh, this morning to everybody who shared. It was a really, really good meeting. Um, please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for this meeting, the one that just concluded, is 13,938. That's 13938. And we're now going to close with the reading from the big book on page 164. And we'll follow that with the serenity prayer. So Janice B., would you please read a vision for you? Our book is meant to be yes. suggestive only. All right. Thank you. Good morning, visionaries. This is Janice B., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Vermont. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. 
but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.